0: You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Spotlight on eWomen, the place for everything E-Women Network. Entrepreneur, enterprising, enlightening, and exciting. Please welcome your e Woman host, Phyllis Smith.
0: Hi, and welcome to Spotlight on E-Women Network. I'm Phyllis Smith. So have you ever had a time in your life when you just were so distraught, that you just wanted to end it all. Most of us, I know I have at some point in my life have felt that moment of what if. Well, my guest today went through this, had this experience, but it became a rebirth for her that transformed her life for the rest of her life. She is now an intuitive life coach and helps others find their source of emotional and spiritual power. So please welcome my guest today, Terry Christine. Thank you so much for being here, Terry.
1: Thank you, Phyllis, for having me. I'm really truly grateful for this opportunity. Yeah, well, I was in a 14 year relationship with the father of my children. And throughout that relationship, I never felt that he was fully connected to me. I gave him so much love, literally I lived outside of myself to prove endlessly that I loved him and that this is a safe environment and he could love us just as much as I love him. And after going through this year after year and three months at the end of 14 years, that I realized that if I didn't have love, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. We had two beautiful, amazing girls. But in my heart, I had nothing. And I'd rather have my life to be nothing if I don't have love. So as you said, yes, as we spoke at 3 a.m., three months before the end of the relationship, I woke up, I crawled out of the bed and went into the bathroom, and I laid on the floor. And I remember feeling those cold tiles on my skin. And I remember telling God or Source Light, whatever you're choosing to label it, to stop my heart that if my heart would completely stop right there and then, that I would be completely happy. And as I was crying and digging deeper into my soul, I began to feel a sense of calmness and things started changing. I know I was in the middle of time and space. There were stars so close, I thought I could touch them. Now my eyes were closed and I knew I was floating. I was right there. I could feel dampness, I could taste it in my mouth. And then all of a sudden, I'll never forget when I heard those words, love will come. It permeated and through my entire being. And I was so type a that it took me from despair, frustration, pain, all of that, all in one to hope I jumped up and I'm like, Oh, I got it. And I went back to bed. And when I woke up, my entire life changed. I bought packs and packs and stacks and stacks of books. I ran out of uh, Barnes and Nobles with a, with a cart <laughs> full of books. And then it was almost like I was a kid in a candy store. I couldn't get enough because I knew that love was coming, but a sense of hope that I never had for 14 years. So then I ended up gravitating toward you know, Reiki and all of these things, meditating that I never knew of crystals, essential oils. And then because I was, um, I, I was in the field of being a leader in my um, in my career that I wanted to only work with those type of people because I could relate to it. So I worked with masters, and I went and I continued to process what I was and I am where I am today.
0: Let me go back a moment because I what was it? What beliefs did you have going into that marriage that made you think that love was it? love was the answer, that you had to have it from somebody else to be, feel love and to love yourself. Were you raised in a certain way? Like what were those messages?
1: Yeah. So my childhood was, my parents were 15 and 17 and they had their first child. So by the age of 20, they had three and we were not triplets. And so during the process of, of being raised with uh, teenage parents, there was a lot of lack. And so the the one parent, which was my dad, was a long-haul truck driver, so I never saw him. I only saw him once every other month. And so my mom, it was almost like being raised by a single parent. And so when my, my dad came home, it was like, do this for me, do that for me, do this for me, like we were these tiny little puppets. And so at, as I reflect back upon that relationship, there wasn't really any love other than seeing that I was the little puppet, and that's how I was to get love. Mm. And so when I experienced it in that 14 relationship, I was constantly living outside of myself, being my own internal puppet to show him
0: how much I loved him. You see? So... so what exactly? Give me some examples of what you did, because I think there might be some people who are listening or watching this right now who might be experiencing the same thing, but they might not be aware of it. So, what are some of the things that you did that were, are, are you know, an example of how that that puppet relationship you had with your husband?
1: Yeah. So um, I was raised Lutheran, and he was raised Catholic. And he wanted the children to go through the process of being affirmed and things. I can't remember what what that is, but back then through uh, children when they turn into a certain age. And so I agreed because I wanted them to have a sense of community. And so once he got a hold of that, then everything we did was a matter of what he wanted to do. So I can tell you my life was like groundhog day. I... (laughs) Every Friday, we had pizza or um, Chinese. Every Sunday after church, we went to the grocery store. We only went out twice a year, and both of those were business association things that he had to do. And what he would do is he would tell me, well, your other girlfriends are complaining. They never go out. So why are you complaining? So he would turn it back on me that I would ask, can't we have a date? Can't we do things? But the more he pushed against what I was asking for, the more I backed up because I wanted him to show, to see how much I loved him. And if he would see that I was sacrificing, he would love me as as much as I loved him. But the reversal here is that he said in his mind, because we did talk about it later on and I've uh, coached people through this, is that. They think that we are doing it because we love them and that we want to do that, that there's no sacrificing. And their needs are being met, so they have nothing to complain about. So they'll just take it and receive, and thank you very much. You want to do it so everybody's happy. But the reality in my mind is I wasn't happy. I was crying inside. I was pained to think that he couldn't give me back what I was asking for and that's the end result of when you are constantly giving they're constantly taking but if you're not saying anything
0: they're happy and you're not so when you finally had this revelation Then he now has to deal with that. Like, did you did you kind of secretly start getting all those books and get and and getting involved in self development and understanding and looking for ways to um, other ways to feel love and love yourself? Um, Was was he aware of that, or were you kind of doing that in secret? Oh no! When I woke up. I drove myself
1: to Barnes & Noble, came home. It must have been 25 books. (laughs) He asked me, what are you going to do with that? I said, well, what do you think people do with books? And there were times where when I was reading so much, I didn't realize weeks would go by and he would say, hey, you know, what about me? But I didn't even, that's right. Mm. What about me? And I didn't realize that I wasn't really attentive because I was now pulling back from his needs and inside I was meeting my needs by simply reading books and understanding where the love truly
0: was which was inside of me that's uh, quite something but you know it, it was like it, it I almost feel like if it was a movie there'd be the music going oh you know <laughs> So you became an intuitive life coach. Explain what that means.
1: So when I realized after I left that I didn't really love myself, and when I thought back about my upbringing and how I was constantly taken care of, the needs of my dad when he was home, the needs of my mom when she came home from work and running around and being the middle child but the oldest daughter and having to take care of my brother as the woman and my sister as the youngest one. And so, as I was taking care of that, realizing that I constantly gave and I never loved myself, that when I started reading and starting to understand that I can, I know what it means to be self love. I was told that when you take the last cookie that's selfish but when you're in service and really truly loving yourself there's no ego attached to that and so you're focusing on the balance within your boundaries and how you feel and what you love and you're happy and then helping others so that you can help catapult them and out of their despair frustration and pain and so I was learning. Um, with uh, intuitive development, and I constantly, constantly worked on myself. So I was working on judgment. I was working on self-love, doing the mirror technique. I was working on what will it take, meaning manifesting, connecting to source. I was working on feeling that everything is good, meaning everything, back, focusing on the positive versus the negative, and living in full-blown gratitude. Everything
0: I'm happy and grateful for. So what makes you, like there's life coaches and then there's intuitive life coach. So what makes you an intuitive life coach for people who don't really understand?
1: Yeah. So there was a part of a situation right before I left the relationship and my grandfather passed suddenly my sister was very attached to him. And at the year, uh, on the anniversary of his death, she became very depressed so I knew that she was going to hurt herself. So I contacted the medium because there was nothing else I could do other than she wanted to seek answers of why he died. Was he in pain? Was he with my grandmother? So to make a long story short, she, this woman that I hired as a medium, connected, never knew either one of us, said these things that were so profound that my sister was out of depression. She was grateful. And when I look back and I'm like, I want to help people like that and save their lives. So it was almost like taking that little egg and putting it in my basket. And once I released and relinquished that relationship I was in, I started to want to move in that direction, meaning I wanted to be a medium. I wanted to save lives like that woman did for my sister. But I ended up going in another direction, another path, because I couldn't get to what I felt how to to do the training of being a medium. But then I ended up taking all those other things, as I said, and then intuitive development. And what I found out was that when you are releasing your own limiting beliefs within and trusting your intuition, then the magic really flips. So the intuition is something as simple as you, Phyllis, walk into a room and all of a sudden you're going, man, what just happened in here? and no one opened their mouth, that's your intuition and feeling the energy of what's in the room. But you, my friend, have to trust it. So instead of keeping your mouth shut, I am the one who says, okay, I know what happened to this room because when I was able to clear what, you know when sometimes you have a thought that comes in, you're like, oh, I was just thinking about that person and they call, right, because your thoughts our energy and they come out just like a puff of smoke and they go into the collective consciousness so all this energy that moves around us is flowing through us and when i was able to release all my limiting beliefs and blocks i began to trust all of these signs And now what I do is I connect to the energy of a person, but I take it deep. I take it to the core of when that limiting belief was created. So I can tell you how old you were, by whom the limiting belief was created with you, what actually happened, and then I bring it to your present and help remove it out of your subconscious. So I'm working deep into those emotional core elements of what's keeping you from moving forward. And then I take it to a deeper level if you have physical
0: ailments too, then I can actually remove the that too we're gonna to have to take a short break and when we come back we're gonna talk about what are some of the big blocks that you noticed in the in the, the clients and the, that you work with and then also provide some tools uh, to help people get unstuck and remove those blocks we'll be right back calling all speakers eWomen network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. are you a gifted messenger author expert or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com.
1: Welcome back to Spotlight on eWomen. Here's your host, Phyllis Smith.
0: Welcome back to Spotlight on EWomen Network. I'm Phyllis Smith. I'm speaking with Terry Christine. She is an intuitive life coach who went from the brink of of really ending her life. She was in such despair in her marriage, to transforming that experience, uh, that life-changing experience to become an intuitive life coach. And she now helps others move through blocks, emotional and spiritual blocks, so that they can find true. True happiness and joy she's also the author of a book called the secret power of you so Chris Terry uh, you know you were you were talking about how um, uh, people have these limiting beliefs and you help people, you you go deep into their lives and to discover what are the limiting beliefs. Like your limiting belief was that you are nothing without love. Like you, you got the love of yourself from somebody else. And so um, when you work with people to overcome these limiting beliefs. What is the process? What do you do with them? Is it through, uh, you know, you're questioning them? Like, how do you walk it through just, you know, uh, in the initial stages? Yeah. Yeah. Phyllis, when I um, start working with someone, I tell them,
1: don't tell me anything because I want to tell them so they can see how accurate I am. So what I normally do is I sometimes close my eyes and other times, Um, I when somebody's typing, think about when you're thinking and you're typing and you're thinking as you're typing. Well, thoughts are energy. And when you're typing, that energy is going in through the words that you type. So if someone's sending me an email or registering or sending me a little tidbit of something, I actually close my eyes. I connect into the energy of whatever they're sending me. And then I ask a couple of questions. I ask, how old were they? With the strongest block that's keeping them from moving forward by whom did they create this block with what happened and where can I help them move forward and so when then that's when I will see the person or we're over phone there is no time and space with energy so I will ask those questions and I'll find out the age and all those things and then I'll say give me a second and I'll close my eyes and I'll see a movie a full-blown movie And I can give you an example. I, I did this. A girl sent me an email. I connected to her energy before she got on the phone with me and I actually saw two fish. One I knew was her and she was like a flounder swimming. And then I saw her mom like a barracuda and I could feel it was her mom. And in the movie, I saw her mom come up and then eat off all the, the, um, what do you call the pieces of the fish? The, the scales. The scales? The scales. I could see that the barracuda mom ate the scales off, but didn't totally eat her up, but just that, right? And then when I got on the phone, I said, I already connected. You have a mom block. You were eight years old. And I said, your mom tore you. She chewed you up. She chewed you up. She goes, yeah, she was very verbally abusive. So because I trust it and I connect to that energy, they give me the movie. And then I, because I'm focusing on the strongest block, Now, we're like an onion. You pull one layer off and there's another. And um, the, the emotional aspects of what people are pulling in. So we can have one incident that we're two years old, we're in a little tutu, and someone tells you to take off the little ballerina outfit, you don't want it off. And so things escalate and then person pulls it off of you. And then you as a child say, I will never let adult female authority tell me what to do. And then in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you're struggling with female bosses. So it can be as simple as something just like that that creates the feeling and the experiences around you trigger the feeling of the emotion that bubbles up and then you're dealing with the feeling. What happens is that we get tied into what we see with our eyes and think the experience right in front of us is causing it to us However, the experience is causing it for us to go back to where we were young, when we felt that, why we felt it, and to let it go. If it's forgiveness or just saying that no longer serves me. What I tell people is when you have a limiting belief, and as a child you bring it in, you're contracting it just like you buy a house, right? But over time, you get more children, you have to move with a job, and you need to sell your house and contract out of it. But the same thing with a limiting belief. You contract into it when you're little to protect you or whatever you felt you wanted or needed. And now here you're an adult, but you're still contracting, you're still contracted into it and you just didn't let it go. So it's simply a matter of just removing it from your subconscious so you can let it go and live life more in ease and grace.
0: It's really fascinating how things can happen to us when we're itty bitty and, and then just take it like we blow it up. And, and, you know, it's really amazing when you think about the brain, the brain is knows nothing but survival and whatever it is for whatever reason that you're holding on to those beliefs is really also related to the fact that your brain thinks you need it for survival, and so what you're saying is, you know, you you help people turn that around. It's not about survival, you don't need it, it's no longer serving you, and you help them dig deep into the past so that they can move forward for the future so that's really something to really go that deep and also to feel that to, to feel that energy is really something else so I have a um, you mentioned in the first segment you talked about a mirror technique that you learned and that you used what is that exactly so the mirror technique is when you have somebody that you
1: you could probably even know someone who says I think or maybe or maybe that's the way it is and that's how they respond to you They do a lot of I think, I think, I think because they're not trusting their inner selves. So the mirror technique is a moment where you can look into the mirror and look pupil to pupil and say to yourself without deviating from your pupils, I love you. I love you with all my heart. I love you deeply, profoundly. You're the one that I love forever. Thank you. I love you. And what happens is if that person that you happen to know is I think, I think, I think, right with their answers, if you tell them to do that, the first time they do it, they'll think it's weird or it feels uncomfortable or they're looking at something else. They're feeling the disconnect. So if someone's in the thought process, if they think they're not trusting their own innerness, when they reconnect to their own inner love, then they eliminate saying, I think, and they trust the answer. And then
0: they say, I know, I know. That's really amazing. I remember once doing that for myself and I remember the tears streaming down my face when I looked in the mirror and I said that to myself. Um, you know, I love you, I love you. And you just keep saying it until you see yourself in those pupils, as you say, and then you, you go, it's like you see that person that you are and we forget, don't we? We really forget. So um, what would be a, a trigger for somebody. Um, and, and um, so wh- and how can per- a person know that it's a trigger and work through that?
1: Mm-hmm. So an easy one is in a work environment and you might have a project and you're working with a couple of people and you finish your portion of the project. And the person says, wow, this is really good. But you know what? I would have done it this way. And the person says, oh, all that work I just did and you think you want to do it that way, first off, there's a couple of things. There's judgment because the person is judging the person, and then they feel like they needed to do it that way. Well, the person that received it, let's say it's me, and I thought, I said, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I did all that work, and you don't even appreciate that? Then that's a trigger. That's a thought that's saying, why are you saying that to me? It's almost the knife in the back that goes, ugh. It's Mm -hmm. a moment for you to say, okay, when was the last time that I felt someone didn't appreciate me? When did I, how old was I? If you truly allow that will your head to just let go of the thoughts that are flowing Mm -hmm. and then just say, how old was I when that happened? Any number that comes in is the truth. Your body speaks the truth. Then say, who was I with and what happened? I guarantee something will come in, a story that you'll remember and you'll say, oh my God. I remember that time that I was sweeping the kitchen floor and I was five years old, mom was teaching me how to sweep and she was telling me, oh, you missed all that in the corner. Mm -hmm. And it's something as simple as that to create a limiting belief and that when someone says something to you, that trigger comes up, the feeling of, and it gives you the opportunity to say this no longer serves me, I'm an infinite being
0: and letting it go it seems so simple and and it could be but you have to be ready and you have to be able to to kind of let go and be ready to let go of those beliefs that for the longest time have served you they've created who you are currently and what you're offering is hey let's look at things in a different way and uh, and to be able to do that you have to release the old to be to be ready for the new. So we have to, uh, we're, we're just about to end, uh, we need to end this, um, in this, it's a really interesting conversation and you just, you just seem to have such a, not just a passion for what you do, but just the knowledge that you have and that instinct and that intuitiveness that you have, um, would be, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, I'm sure it's, it's, you you've helped so many people see the light, so to speak, the light being clear, clarity um, infinite as you say, um, and then you know starting over so uh, one thing I want you to say if we can leave our viewers or listeners with one thing that they can do right now today to begin to end the blocks that they have. What can one person do this minute when they stop listening to this podcast or watching this video? Trust. T-R-U-S-T.
1: Because when someone truly wants to have more confidence or more fun, more excitement, more adventure, you have to trust to allow yourself to step into that decision and let go of the expectations of the end result. The more you create the limiting beliefs wrapped around how you expect to receive it, how you expect to want it, and how you expect to have it end, is that you're limiting yourself to receive everything more than what you can receive. So trust, trust in your inner knowing that when things come to you and you feel it and you seal it, see it and see it that that's your inner knowing and truth. You know, when people say, feel it in your gut, what does your gut say? That's your solar plexus. That's the portal of emotions. So when you're feeling it and you're trusting it and you're moving forward and letting go of all the expectations, your life is being lived with ease and grace. You're going to have duality, but it's how we need to expand and grow. And truly, as I got through all my limiting beliefs living in the space of trusting and knowing and being and doing and connecting. I know I have and still currently do help in a very
0: profound way. So yes, please trust in yourself. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? So you can reach me at my website at terrychristine.com.
1: I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at Terry Christine. And also My book, (laughs) it's the secret power of you. I'll be having a new website very shortly that'll have the link to Amazon. And if you'd like to have it now that you can get it through me, but it is, they're very, very simple, profound techniques in there that show you where, how to see your limiting beliefs, how to shift your mindset, how to let them go. There's case studies from clients of where they were, what we did and where they are today. But it is very simple, but yet profound to help you out of
0: anything, any struggle, pain, resistance of whatever you feel like you're going through. Very good. Thank you so much, uh, Terry Christine. I really appreciate you and all that you're doing to help the world, help the people that you're working with, see their true selves and their true love and who they are. And I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very grateful for this time, Phyllis. You're awesome. Thank you. You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network.